being reasonable. Now heard on WHUPLP Hillsborough, WCOM Carborough, and WPVM Asheville. Being Reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsborough, North Carolina. I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable, the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs. And we can do so by being reasonable. One, two. On this week's show, we speak with Reverend Dr. Robert Brewer, chaplain and assistant professor of religion at Greensboro College. The Reverend discusses his belief that he has been divinely called to help others. So let's speak with Reverend Dr. Robert Brewer, chaplain and assistant professor of religion at Greensboro College. I feel like I have really strong beliefs about certain things. Okay. But I'm also not tied to them. Like I'm open to being changed and uncertain about them. Like I have a great commitment towards being a faithful person, but that faith is uncertain to me. You know, it's all about uncertainty to me. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, th- I was thinking about is that, you know, I feel the work that I do, I feel called to do it. Right. Which is an interesting belief to me to feel called to do something. Like where does that call come from and how do I explain it to people? I don't know. And what does that mean that you feel called to do something. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like it was outside of my desires uh, in some ways. I'm a United Methodist minister, right? And I feel like that's not something I wanted to choose. But when somebody said to me, hey, you might be a great minister one day, I said, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. Right? right. But then I felt so compelled by it that I thought, well, let me just see what's there. And I moved in that direction. So, you know, I went to seminary, still thinking, I don't think I want to be a minister. So, how did it happen? So, someone suggested it to you? Yeah. And, and, and it just resonated? It resonated in a, in a way that I didn't want it. <laughs> it resonated in a way that said, this might be something really life-changing, and I don't want to go there. Were you reluctant in the sense of how much it, you thought it would change you, or reluctant in the sense of, this, you didn't know this is what you wanted to do? Right. Both of those things, both of those things. Yeah, I did not really want to be in ministry because I felt like it was too confining for me. I felt like the ministers I knew, you know, had a certain kind of life. And I was like, that seems boring to me. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And But I loved being in the church. I loved the community. I loved the ability to be community for each other, the family atmosphere that people find there. All those things I loved about it, I just didn't want to lead it. Did you have a background in it or how? I mean, it must have. Yeah, I grew up in the church. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in the Methodist church, very small town in Star, North Carolina. That's the very center of the state, geographical okay. center of the state. Oh, really? It's a town of probably 600 people, maybe. Okay. It's very small. 
but that church was my life in many ways. Uh, everyone in that church was my family. Right. They, I was their kid, you know, and so was all the other kids in the family. You know, they're my, my community, and um, I loved it. But when the minister of that church said, hey, I, want you, you, I think you'd be a great minister, I was like, no, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Do you think it was suggested to you because of your, and I haven't known you for very long, but it seems clear to me that you have good interpersonal skills. Do you think it was suggested to you because how you relate to people or do you think it was suggested to you because of a religious, more of a supernatural reason of why you should go into the church? I do think it's both of those things in some ways. Um, I think I love to connect with people and help people and be there for others. Um, and I love to listen and guide. Um, I think that's what called me to be a chaplain too. Uh, but I also think it's this calling beyond myself that leads me outside of my own, my own self-interest to do something that's for others. And I feel like that is, we, we talk about it in, as ministers, as a calling all the time. We don't necessarily explore that, why, why that is or what it is that we're doing. We say, oh, it was God that called me to ministry. Um, because if I chose it myself, I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> right. And so I think it was a, a compelling outside of myself, something divine that led me to this place. When you are helping others, what are the main issues that people are presenting to you that they need help with? I work a lot with students, and so a lot of the work that I do is helping them figure out who they are, like figure out what they want in their life and um, where they want to go. And so part of that is, I think, resonating with me is helping them listen to themselves, listening to who they are and what they already have, and, and just giving them that information that they don't necessarily listen to all the time. Yeah. I think most people have the kind of answer in themselves. They just don't hear it, you know? And I think that's what, the, what calling meant to me. Like, I had the answer in me, that kind of life to help others, that kind of life to serve, that kind of life to love was in me, but I didn't know it. And yeah. I didn't really want it. <laughs> I didn't want to claim it right. until people helped me see it myself. In a former life, I did sort of what you're doing. I spoke with people predominantly that age, like late teens, early 20s, uh, helping them through a variety of problems they might have. And I hear what you're saying, where at times my role was just to have them turn their focus inward. Mm. And so they can kind of examine what it is they might want or what they're dissatisfied with or you name it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It seemed to me that in those situations, what I was really offering them when I reflect on those conversations is I was giving them unconditional positive regard, giving them a safe space to talk. I was being non-judgmental, mm -hmm. just engendering the right conditions so they can explore these issues. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And giving space. I always think about space as, as my metaphor of, of helping others uh, particularly my students, to give them space to hear themselves, to give them space to meander for a bit and hearing what they already know. You know, St. Ignatius has this uh, way of understanding, uh, helping you understand yourself. And so one of the advices he gives to people in trying to figure out what you're supposed to be called to do is, uh, is to say, hey, what advice would you give to your friend? 
What if your friend came to you with a problem? What advice would you give them? So you say, "Here's the advice I'd say. I'd tell them to do this and this." And I usually go, "Okay, well, why aren't you doing that?" <laughs> right? That's your advice that you would want somebody else to do. Well, that's your advice for yourself. Parker Palmer says, "You know, you let their you let your life speak. Your life is telling you already what you're called to be and do in the world. So listen to it." And when I speak with people like yourself, I speak with people who are coming from wildly different beliefs and perspectives and someone might be doing this from a perspective of energy healing and someone might be doing this from a perspective of whatever perspective the question i like to ask is what extra does your perspective or your belief bring to what you do uh, what is the special sauce that you bring to the table that is not accounted for by these non-specific factors that seem to show helps people grow in their lives. Mm -hmm. I feel like in helping others as a chaplain, I try to be non-specific in many ways because that's why I have such a variety of students. They come from everywhere. But for me, my tradition, I'm, I, you know, I'm raised in the Christian tradition, that kind of opening up to listening to what you're called to do comes from a basic understanding of my faith. And, and, a, and a kind of rooted tradition of being called by God to do something in the world uh, and this kind of lineage of people throughout the biblical text who are doing that, from people like Moses to Ruth to Naomi to, to you know, Mary to Joseph. Like, there, there's a sense that God's calling all of these people who are flawed and um, not perfect to make a difference in the world in a way um, that they don't even think they can do. Because most of the times in the biblical tradition, people are said, hey, I w uh, God come, shows up in one form or another and says, I want you to do this. And most every time they say, no, thank you. <laughs> most every time they're like, I'm not qualified. Most every time they're like, I can't do it. Right. And so that, that narrative is mine too. You know, when I felt called by God to do something, I was like, no, thank you. I don't think I can do this. I don't want to do it. I'm not good at it. And so that tradition, I think, has informed me and informs my way of approaching my call. So if I'm a Reiki energy practitioner uh -huh. and I say that I've been called to do this by the larger energy forces yeah. and this energy that's all around us yeah. has propelled me into what I do now in helping others, how could we differentiate the Reiki person from what you are trying to do? I'm trying to understand yeah. what makes it Different. I would call it uh, that energy that's all around us that's calling us to do something, the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> the, the thing in which we live and move and have our being, right? That's what I would call it. So the, the Reiki energy person and you, are we calling something that's different the same thing? I think so, yeah. Yeah, we might have different names for it, different ways of seeing it, yes. I, I believe that's true, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think... That becomes complicated in some ways, particularly for my tradition, because they were like, no, no, this is Holy Spirit. And they were like, no, this is Reiki. But I think, you know, I'm always open to, to that being the same thing. To, I think the Spirit moves in ways that I cannot know and can lead people in ways that are not called by the same name. So you're saying what you're calling Spirit, someone else might be calling energy and yeah. someone else be calling, but whatever it is, it seems that it's separate from you. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And how do we know that? How do we know that it's 
separate from us. And it's not us telling us that we want to do something or we'd be good at doing something. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally agree. I think that's a great question because I think that's a question I reflect on all the time. I think that's what you reflect on as someone who's called to ministry as um, uh, in my tradition. You're always you're always thinking, is this me? Is this what I want? Or is this something different? Is this something God wants? Is this something I desire? Is this something the Holy Spirit desires? I'm always asking that question. I think that's the question you need to reflect on over and over again. Um, and I think for me, the confirmation of those things is is the experience in which I live. And so I like for I did I didn't want to be a minister, right? That wasn't on my goals. I was going to be a teacher. I was going to teach for you know my lifetime, and that was it. And I felt called to do something outside of that that's related to it, but it wasn't my first choice, and that compulsion to lead into that direction wasn't necessarily me doing it, I didn't think. Now, could I be fooling myself? Sure, right? I could just be doing it because I I think I'm doing it, but I'm telling myself I'm not, right? But I, I think there was something else in it. And I think part of it is the thing we talked about at the first is listening. You know, I keep listening to people talk to me about what I am good at and what I do, but also kept listening to the spirit in the world that was leading me in a direction that I couldn't have put together myself. I felt called to go to a, to a seminary. I went to Candler School of Theology in Atlanta, and I felt that direction and place when I met a minister who was from there, who was trained there, and I just loved the work he did. And then I went to visit, and I was like, oh, this is it. Like, I knew it. I distinctly remember dropping the application in the mail. Right. And when I did, there was this peacefulness over me that yeah. I could not explain. I get that feeling of when you're on the right path and doing something that you think that you were suited to do versus not suited to do. Right. For example, with this radio show, <laughs> I might not be terribly good at this, but I think that I'm suited to do it. And I and mm -hmm. then when I further reflect, I have my reasons for why I do it, mm -hmm. but then I'm not really sure why I do it, you know? <laughs> and I, and then, and then I'm sort of nowhere, but just doing the show. Right. And do you have those kinds of reflections or is that not yes. you as well? No, I think so. Yes. I, I mean, I feel very certain that I've been called to do this work. I feel the way the things lined up in my life and the things I've listened to and, and heard, I'm, this is a very certain call. I also doubt it every day. <laughs> like, is this really where I should be? I mean, I really like this, but gosh, isn't there something else I could do? Like, you know, I think about that a lot. Yeah. And I've been a campus chaplain for 15 years now. Could we do a thought experiment? Yeah. I probably need to get new thought experiments because... <laughs> But uh, well, if it works, if it works, right? Let's say that I believe Buddy Holly is a god, a literal god, yeah. not figuratively. I really believe that Buddy Holly is God. And Buddy Holly told me to help others by doing this radio program. Mm -hmm. How could we differentiate my calling to do this? radio show from Buddy Holly versus your calling to do what you do. 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I've heard you uh, do this thought experiment before. I was like, that's a good question. I think that, I mean, if I literally take Buddy Holly as the God, right? It's that, for, I don't know. For me, Buddy Holly's a, as a, there's something beyond the physicalness of our lives that calls me, I feel. There's something um, like that is not just a person in front of me. It's, it's something beyond that. And I, I feel like that there's a, a need for an awareness and a paying of attention to hearing, even if Buddy Holly's telling me something, I, I don't take it for face value. Even when I feel called to do something by the beyond me, I don't take it and say, oh, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm just going to do it. I have to be reflective of that. I have to test it and say, is this really what I want to do? Is this really something called I'm being called to do? Is this really Buddy Holly calling me to do that? Is this really me calling me to do I have to test that all the time. It's not something I'm just going to jump into and say, okay, I'll do it. Um, I think if I do that, then it's me. I believe Buddy Holly has called me to do the radio program, mm-hmm. and I wish to test this. How could I test whether Buddy Holly wants me to do this show? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for, for me, it is listening to others a lot and being confirmed by people around me in my decision. Listening to what other people say to me and being confirmed by it. How does Buddy Holly fit into that mm-hmm. manner? I'm trying to avoid Buddy Holly, but the, um, I like that you're pushing me to make him included. <laughs> so, but we're talking about my belief. Yeah. 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 Um, because I think I could ask people, I could bounce things off my wife and my mom and my neighbor about what they think I should do, mm-hmm. whether I should do this radio show and not have Buddy Holly enter into it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Right, right, right. And I, I believe that's where faith actually happens and takes place because there's this always uncertainty of uh, knowing if it's Buddy Holly or not. And by faith, what do we mean? <laughs> faith for me is, is an orientation towards something greater than myself. It is a desire to trust in a uh, something that is beyond me. That might be Buddy Holly. That might be love. That might be justice. That might be, for me, God, right? For me, it's the God of Jesus Christ, right? That's my tradition. So faith means trust. Yes. Trust and direction, orientation, I think. Faith, for me, is an orientation towards something greater. Because I can have faith in money. You know, I can have faith in my car to get me here. I can have faith in thing, in, in something else. I have, everybody has some kind of trust in something, but I think faith is really what your ultimate concern is. And for me, that would be the love of God, right? That faith is my, that's my orientation. And how do I show that love and live in that love and give that love? And that isn't about being very certain about it. It's actually being open to uncertainty, I think. You know, the opposite of, of faith is not doubt, is certainty. If I'm so certain about everything, I don't need any faith in anything else. I'm, if I'm so certain... That becomes self-righteousness. If we were to put your belief, Mm -hmm. or in this case, trust, in what you believe on a scale, Mm -hmm. let's say from one to seven, would you be able to pick a general number of where you might fall? My faith in the God of love, my orientation right now, that trust is probably like a 10. Okay. Yeah. 
And how important is it for you to believe in things that are true? It's pretty important. I think it's very important to figure out what is true. And in, in that figuring out of what is true, it is being open to being changed to something. If I get new information, if I have something else that comes to me, I want to be able to incorporate that. In your belief, yeah. and you say that you're open to change, if some kind of information were to come along where that change would occur, where would that information come from or what form would it take, do you think? Well, I think some of the things that might reorient my faith is uh, the knowledge of the world, you know, science that shows something new and different to us about who we are, or even a philosophy that people have f designed or figured out or had to um, extrapolate upon that seems really interesting. Um, I think it can come from any kind of knowledge that we can learn about ourselves as we grow as human beings. It's implied that you have a belief in God, a belief yeah. in Jesus Christ. Right. I'm trying to think of, to extrapolate the thought experiment, I'm trying to think of what scientific information could be available for me to say to myself, Buddy Holly is not a God. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think of what, like, what form that would take. Is there something that you would foresee? I would say that it, if for me it's an encounter if Buddy Holly has come to me to say to do harm to someone or to myself or to cause harm in the world, that for me would not be God. And can I extrapolate on that? Because it, yeah. it makes you, it, well, and for me, it means also going against some of the traditions of Christianity because God has been has in many ways told people to go, you know, go bash the other people, right? The enemies of their of God. So that for me, I, I would say is not necessarily God. So if God told you to do something that was against other people, then you would not believe in God? I would believe that's not God. Okay. That, that that's a God I've created. But would you then believe in God in a different context? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I believe in the God of love and justice, right? I believe in the God of, of freedom, of, of, of grace. Would there be any information that would come along that would shake your belief in that God? Um, I don't think so. But I also would be open to questioning it. You know, I don't think there is um, because I, I am so adamant that there is a God of love in the world because it gives me hope, right? It gives me hope that, that the world, the way it is, is not the way it should be and the way we can be is better. But uh, and I, just so I can be clear, yeah. there wouldn't be information that could come along that would shake your belief in that God, but you're open to questioning that God. Mm -hmm. I have both of my hands <laughs> and I'm trying to put them together. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I, I think faith is this commitment towards the trust of, of a loving God to me. And, and it's that trust that I have and, and, and maybe even hope of a God that is about justice and love in the world. And the things in the world often cause me to think, where are you? Why are you not doing anything? What's going on? Why, why is this happening? Like, there's lots of questions in that. And I'm open to all those uncertainty and questions. But I have this belief beyond those that says, I, I think there is a God of justice and love in the world. I just got to find it. 
So your questioning may focus more of the manner of how a god is presenting itself more so than whether a god exists. Right. Is that right? Right. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Because Karl Barth says that God is wholly other than us. So we can't even, I can't even say, hey, my God of love and justice, well, no, that's not yours. <laughs> that's beyond, God is beyond you. You can't define that. But that I am. And so I have to be open to not boxing in a God into the, my own being and into my own thought process, because then it becomes a God I control and a God who I can say, oh, hates these people. And so I can hate them too, right? I can't, I can't hold on to that so tightly that it becomes my self-righteous way of controlling or hurting or being in the world, right? If I said to you that I believe Buddy Holly is the God of love and justice, and there was nothing anybody could say to sway me from that, I will believe it no matter what. How does that resonate with you? Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, I, you know, I know Buddy Holly, so it's like, <laughs> I, I know that it's not offensive to me, but it's also not something I would say, eh, I can get behind. I'm like, yeah, okay. I think that's why, can, why couldn't you get behind that if I truly believe it and I am telling you that this is the case? <laughs> I would say, okay, good for you, right? <laughs> that, but that's not my tradition of what I have come to understand who God can be and who God is for me. And I, for so looking at my belief, yeah. what is it about my belief that doesn't sit right with you? What, it, what are you seeing about what I see? What is it you can see about my belief that I can't see about my belief? Yeah. I would say for me, Buddy Holly is a finite in some ways. There's a limitation to Buddy Holly that is not upon a God of, uh, that is wholly other than us. How? Tell me, I mean, t- it's a physicality, I think. It's a physicality of Buddy Holly, right? That, that, that causes me to be like, eh, I think God's more than that. What if I told you that Buddy Holly did have a physicality mm-hmm. and now no longer does? Right. Yeah. Kind of like Jesus, right? We continue our conversation with Reverend Dr. Brewer, chaplain and assistant professor of religion at Greensboro College, right after this short break. I can't find it's the past If suddenly I've disappeared Nothing to be feared I'm going back to Dundee By the North Sea If suddenly I can't be found No, I'm safe, safe and sound In the West End of Dundee
suddenly I've disappeared Nothing to be feared I'm going back to Dundee By the North Sea Suddenly I can't be found No, I'm safe, safe and sound In the West End of Dundee If suddenly I've disappeared Nothing to be feared I'm going back to Dundee By the North Sea If suddenly I can't be found No, I'm safe, safe and sound I've disappeared, nothing to be feared I'm going back to Dundee By the North Sea, if suddenly I can't be found No, I'm safe, safe and sound In the West End of Dundee You are listening to Being Reasonable on WHUP If you have a belief that you wish to discuss, please connect with us through beingreasonableshow.com. What if I told you that Buddy Holly did have a physicality Mm -hmm. and now no longer does? Right. Yeah. Kind of like Jesus, right? Well, I I mean, it would go back to what we said before, I think, then if that's the God of love and justice, the God that I have trust in, uh, then I think we're calling Buddy Holly the same thing as God. It's just a different name. You're calling the same thing I think of with different names, like Holy Spirit, Reiki, energy. So at that point, if on Sundays you're going to church, and if on Wednesdays, let's say I'm going to a hut, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. then we're just basically doing the same thing. Mm. Similarly, yes, I think so, yeah. Informed by different traditions, informed by different ways of being, informed by how we experience and understand that divine presence. If I believe Buddy Holly is a god, and I've come about it the way I've come about it, and you believe what you believe the way you've come about it, could it be said that we could believe anything at that point? And that could be true because we've come about it the way we've come about it and we're talking about the same thing? Yeah, I think not necessarily everything can be true because I think we would argue about that truth that we could never in some ways get to because we're limited by our experience. That if, there, if there's a truth beyond us, that if there's a what is truly true, I, I can't always access it unless I have somebody else's help. Oh, and even then I can't access it. So your way of getting to that truth can inform my way of getting to that truth. And I think my way of getting to that truth can inform your way of getting to that truth. To extend the thought experiment, let's say that I believe Buddy Holly is a literal God, Mm -hmm. but that's false. Buddy Holly is not a God. Mm -hmm. He's a dead person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that were the case, how could I go about finding that out? And how could I go about asking others to help me find that out about my own belief? Mm -hmm. I really think it all is about experience. 
And I would ask questions about your experience of, you know, who you think Buddy Holly is. Like, who, who do you think Buddy Holly is? How has Buddy Holly influenced you, right? How has, how has that shown up in your life? Is it really Buddy Holly? And what if I said that Buddy Holly spoke to me, and after Buddy Holly has spoken to me, I met my wife, and then I talked to Buddy Holly at night, and that seems to have helped me grow wiser and help others and be more at peace with myself. And again, Buddy Holly is not a god, but I'm telling you that Buddy Holly has helped me. My belief in Buddy Holly has helped me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to like Buddy Holly after this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really only know one of his songs. <laughs> I try to pick a, a, a <laughs> the most inoffensive <laughs> yeah, I singer it. that I could think of. But <laughs> I think I think and I love the thought experiment. I like this is this is great because I I do think that I would say to you that is a great way in which you framed your life. But for me that doesn't resonate to be true. And I know that it gives you meaning and purpose and I think that's awesome. But for me this is the way it does for me. And I I don't think what the way in which you I don't think Buddy Holly's a god. And let me tell you why or how I've experienced my, my understanding of God. My religious tradition has had an, an, a huge history of a lot of people thinking through these thoughts. I want to back up for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah, come on. You just told me that you don't think Buddy Holly is a God. Yeah. Should I be offended by that? You can be if you want to. Should I be? Um, Sure. <laughs> I think you would be if that is the way in which you framed your life. Yeah. If I truly believe that Buddy Holly is a god, yeah. I'm thinking to myself whether I would be offended if, by that. Right, yeah, you probably <laughs> would be. Yeah. And I'm not saying you are offending right. me cuz this is a thought experiment, but right. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to think it through. But I would say I would say the same thing if you said to me the same thing. Like, oh, I don't think like your belief in a God is real. You know, I don't think that God is real or whatever. That could be offensive to me in some ways, but I don't think it offends me in a way that makes my belief less, you know, valid, if that makes sense. If you were offended by that, why would you be offended by that, do you think? Why would I be offended? If someone questioned you, and I'm, and I'm not questioning you, yeah. but if someone were to, I don't, uh, honestly, I don't think I would be offended by it. I honestly don't really, that it, you're, you can, you can not believe what I believe and I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly happy that you don't believe that I, I have these same beliefs. I, I don't think I would be totally offended unless you were attacking me and saying how uninformed or ignorant I am, right? Or, unless you were attacking me personally. Yeah. I would not be, I would say, fine, you can have your, that, hold that belief. That's great. But I, I would not espouse to it myself. Because the reason why I do this show, or at least the reason why I tell myself why I do this show, yeah. is that we seem to be living in a time where we have large groups of people who believe almost opposing things than other parts of the country or other populations of people. It seems we live in a time where we can't talk about that very well, and it gets us into trouble. Mm -hmm. And we can't seem to discuss beliefs without people taking it personally instead of examining the nature of the belief. Mm -hmm. How does that resonate? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you because I think we take, because our, our faith or our beliefs inform us so much and, and become 
the thing that gives us meaning and grounding that uh, when you attack it, you attack me. For me, that's not true uh, because I think my faith and belief in a God is open to possibilities beyond that because I think God's beyond my knowledge and because I think there's something, there's always greater more, there's always more in life. There's always the more. And so what is, I, I can always learn from other people even though they may have totally different beliefs than I do. Where do you think the solution comes from as far as healing this country is in, in the point that we all have these wildly different belief systems and that aspect is getting us into trouble? I think it's what, you know, I think about what faith is because we make faith a certainty that we hold on to so tightly that it becomes our idol. Even the faith and belief that we have in something becomes the idol beyond what we're believing in. It becomes my, my personal thing that I'm holding on to so tightly that I can't actually be open to hearing something else. And so it, if you can't trust that something is true, mm -hmm. and that's how you were telling me you're using faith, then how is another way to know whether it is true? <laughs> I mean, I want to know something is true. I, I know, I learn from other people, right? Other situations, other experiences. We all have to have, share our own experience so that we can learn from each other. Like I can't have all my, my life isn't a total experience of God. Say it again. My life is not a total experience of God. And so I need other people's experiences of something life-giving, even if they're not theistic or God-centered, right? They have, they have experiences that I could learn from, right? And so, if I recognize that my life isn't the total central end-all, be-all of what faith means, then I can be open to hearing what other people's faiths and or non-faiths have to teach me. But if, if I think like many religious people have come to is, is that my belief is the end-all, be-all, then we get into trouble. Then we get into arguments. Then we get into not moving. Then we get into hating other people because they're different from me. And... If I put so much hold into my belief that way, then it becomes self-righteous. And you mentioned non-faith and non-theistic. When people are doing positive things like helping others, let's say sitting next to you is Amy, and Amy is a social worker, and Amy is helping other people, and she's selfless, and she makes a low wage doing very difficult work helping people at the Department of Human Services. Mm -hmm. Where do we think that her motivation comes from, her reasoning comes from? Can we speak to that, or is that kind of a bridge too far? <laughs> oh, well, I'd have to ask Amy. I think I'd say, where does your motivation come from? Why do you do this? And, and it may be from just being a good person. I want to help others, just the desire to help, just the desire to be beneficial in the community and society. It might be influenced by her family or, or her own experiences, yeah. It may not necessarily be something of a calling outside of herself. So you could do good things because of a calling, and then you could also do things because of no calling. You could do good things just to do good things, right? And, and it could be as, as difficult as a calling, I think, to me, because I think being called to do something is, is about pushing you outside yourself. And if Amy doesn't have that sense of calling beyond herself, it's still as difficult because she's giving of her time. She's, she's giving up a, a, you know, a higher paying salary to do this kind of hard work. Um, that, that can be just as hard as somebody who feels compelled and called by God to do something they didn't want to do. 
it does seem like we're then maybe talking about two separate groups of people, people who are doing things because there is something inner telling them to do it. And by definition, they would want to do it. I think that's a logical statement to say. And then there are people who do things from a calling, meaning they don't necessarily want to do it, but there's an outside force telling them to do it. I find that interesting. Yeah, and I think I think that people who don't have the outside calling force or divine kind of calling, understanding of it, can also do something they do not want to do. All things remaining equal, back to the thought experiment, <laughs> that Buddy Holly called on me to help people every weekend at a food pantry. What would resonate more with you, do you think? That belief? Or if I said, I... I'm helping people at a food pantry because it seems like the right thing to do. For me, I think they're both valid, but one that would resonate with me is the Buddy Holly one because I would feel compelled, you know, called to do make the world a better place. Like that calling is outside of me, right? If you didn't have your faith and your beliefs that you've expressed, mm -hmm. do you think that your life would change? Do you think you'd be a different person? Do you think... You would stop helping others and go do something else? Or do you think you'd be largely the same person and do sort of the same types of things you do to help others? I would be the same in that I would want to help other people and care for others, I think, um, and, and love others. Last question. Sure. If your belief... If your belief, and I'm not saying the case, yeah. wasn't true, would you want to know it? Well, I think that's a two-answer question, because yes, I would want to know that it wasn't true, but I would also not want to know it's... <laughs> because even if it is not true, it's at least worth pursuing a, a kingdom of love and justice and grace and peace. From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable. Questions? Thoughts? Connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. See you next week.
that is fried And I love you baby I swim in your eyes While I yearn for your shakes I weep for your fries You make me feel alive Like the fries from Five Guys I can almost touch the sky Show me paradise Like the fries from Five Guys Why float in oil when you can't fly Soaring through my veins Been thinking about your burgers And fluffy buns again Yes, I love you, baby I swim in your eyes But you're never enough Like so many five guys rich fries Like the fries from five guys I can almost touch the sky Show me paradise Like the fries from five guys Why float in oil when you can't fly You make me feel alive Like the fries from five guys I can almost touch the sky You show me paradise Like the fries from five guys Got a pillars more into fried butterflies You make me feel alive Like the fries from five guys I can almost touch the And cause you to cry 
could not see or hear, but we were near, and you weren't alone. You spoke more words than anyone I've known. A dog's life is short, and now you are gone. I'm not up to horsing around. I won't use that high voice. I now love like I'm gonna get hurt. The tennis ball for throwing is stuck in the dirt. I sled down hills without you trailing me. I miss you, Bella. Job away. 